coming in here. A bunch of people don't know me, and I'm supposed to take you on this journey in about 30 minutes. And how do I make connections? So one of the things I do is you start with a cute factor, right? So let's do the cute factor. I want to introduce you to my family. My kids, so there's my three, there's my cute factor. Um, the little, the guy on the right, who's actually bigger than the girl on the left, um, he's Riley, he's five, he's my cuddle bug. Uh, little girl on the left is Alana, she is my butterfly with a crooked halo. Some of you have a few of those, you know what I'm talking about, you're just uh, fasting and prayer, we do that together, email me and we will pray them through to a, a certain point in life, and some of you are that butterfly and you know what I'm talking about and you've caused your mom and dad to die early but that's your fault Jesus will forgive you anyway okay and then the guy in the middle his name is Joshua Joshua has this amazing story God told us we'd adopt a little boy told us his name his name would be jo- uh, Joshua in a dream kind of wild and crazy and uh, long story short um, we were we left Ken- uh, Sudan where we were uh, first missionaries went down to Kenya and my wife had had a miscarriage and she was clinically depressed she talked about this publicly so I'm not talking about anything that she hasn't talked about and uh, we find Joshua his name is already Joshua because he was born premature they said if he's going to survive he's going to have to be a fighter and uh, so they had been born at like three pounds no incubator no anything like that and um, God fulfilled his promise that he gave us a son named Joshua. He was born the same day my wife had miscarried. I mean, just lots of crazy cool stuff. So he came into our lives. He's a super cool stuff, and he doesn't have a horn sticking out of the back of his head. That's actually uh, the back of his wheelchair because Joshua has muscular dystrophy. He was uh, um, diagnosed about six years ago, and that's actually why we're back in the States and not ministering in Africa right now, just trying to figure out kind of what we can do and how we can continue to minister uh, internationally while um, giving him the best medical care that's possible and taking care of him. So that's kind of my, uh, my, my, the cute factor. Then we got my wife, and uh, my wife is, uh, she keeps me straight. She's a missionary kid uh, born in Africa, so we tell people that uh, she's an African-American, and they're like, what? That doesn't work. It, it's not cool to say that. I'm like, she's, no, she, most of her life has been, you know, we've spent now 13 years in Africa. She spent 17 growing up. That means she spent um, 27 years because that's how old she is, right? Um, eternally 27, but she's had 27 years in Africa, and uh, she's minding the, the home front at this point. And then to just kind of finish off the, the cute factor is my dog. Uh, oh, see, now, don't you already feel better about me? Because I got a dog and three kids, and you're like, okay, this guy's okay, all right? And uh, so glad that uh, I'm able to be here. I've had all sorts of kind of crazy stories, um, stuff that's happened to me over the last few years. You know, I've been charged by a 650-pound gorilla, surrounded by elephants out in the wild. Um, I'm not going to tell you any of those stories this morning. So you'll have to connect with us on social media or, uh, you know, you can get some of the writings that I've done. I've got a book on Amazon and so forth and so on. It's not very good. Don't buy it. So, um, But uh, it's there if you really get interested in what we're doing. Uh, but we would love, love to connect with you on social media and stay in touch with you because we need people to pray for us. But I'm going to tell you one story because uh, when we left Sudan, I was still kind of a young guy and thought I was pretty brave. And uh, a friend of mine said, hey, you can go whitewater rafting up in the Nile River. Well, that sounds really cool, right? Because Moses was on the Nile and all that history. And I'm going to go up to Uganda and go whitewater rafting. And whitewater rafting in the States, kind of commercially for the, the tourist type thing, you know, it's 
category three is about the most that you can do, right? And maybe a category one, category four all day long. Well, we get up there and they're like, oh, we've got five category fives today. You'll do five fours and three threes. Which if you've ever been whitewater rafting, like a three is a little bit of like foam. Four is a lot of foam. Five is like hold on and scream. I mean, literally they told us you don't paddle through fives. You put your paddles down and you hold on and you scream as you go through. And so it's just, and I did. I spent a lot of time in the drink that day. On the three, I got sucked under and I was down so long I breathed water in. I thought I was going to die. Well, but that wasn't the scariest experience of my life that day. Because when I went, now never go anything, do anything stupid with a friend who's stupider than you. It's just dangerous. It just doesn't work. So I went with Joe, and Joe was younger than me, and Joe was completely fearless, which is stupid and fearless, kind of go side by side oftentimes. And uh, so when we got there, there's this 44-meter platform out over a cliff over the Nile River. And they said, hey, before we go whitewater rafting, anybody want to bungee jump? And Joe's like, yeah! And I'm like, and, and Joe's like, Charles, you're going to do this? Now, there's something about guys, okay? I don't know what it is, but you can't be showed up by your little brother, right? And so I was like, yeah, I'm going to do that. Sure. I lied. Here's my, here was my plan, and I'm just before. God, this is truth. This is what I was going to do. I let Joe get in line in front of me. I kind of pretended like I was tying my shoe or something, and um, two, a couple of people got in line, and here's what I was going to do. I was going to get up to the front of the line, and I was going to look at it and say, wow, that's really expensive. I said, Joe, you know what? My wife would kill me if I spent that money in bungee jumping because every coward boat blames their wife. Adam did it. You know, I mean, it's just started from then on, right? So, but, uh, I, so I hear, you know, Joe's in line, two people in front of me, and I hear him walk up to the person, and he goes, okay, um, two for whitewater rafting, two for bungee jumping. Charles, you can pay me back when we get home. I'm in, man. We're cool. And so I'm climbing this platform up to the, and Joe jumps, and he's like, yeah, you know. And, and then this kid in front of me, I kid you not, I think he left a trail of pee because I think he peed his pants all the way. He was so scared. It was just, it didn't help me, so I'm the last guy in line. And it's really kind of this awkward situation. They, they tie your, your ankles together, and you walk like a penguin over to the edge. Literally, you're doing this, so you're not feeling real cool at this point. You're feeling, like, and then you're scared, and then you got to duck under this thing, and you're afraid you're going to fall off. And you get out over the platform, and they said, legally, we can't push you. You have to jump. Well, that's comforting. <laughs> okay, that's good news. And so I decided, because the guys who had gone before me, they were like girls. Ah! I mean, literally, the guy sounded like a little girl when he went down. So I decided, if I'm going to scream, because you can't stop yourself screaming, you are going to scream. But so you have to make a decision in your head. When I go off of this, at least I'm going to scream like a dude. So I get up. And I go off that platform, and I mean, I'm scared. My heart's not in my mouth. It's like three feet behind me. You know, and you're flying, and here comes the water, and you're like, this is really going to hurt, you know, and you slow down. And you're like, Whew. And nobody warns you about the bounce. Because you jumped off of your own volition, but you're going to bounce, and you're going to go up, and boom, you go up, and here comes the platform, and literally I'm doing this because I'm afraid that I'm going to hit the platform. And then you're almost as high as before, and you're going to fall again, except this time you have no choice. 
Now, here's a little bit of the, the kind of the, I, because it's Sunday morning, I got I to make this kind of spiritual, okay? That's kind of faith. Because Jesus will take you to the precipice of something really amazing and really cool. But he's not going to push you. He's not going to force you. He's going to ask you. He's going to invite you to the come, follow me. And I'll teach you how to fish. I'll make you a fisherman of men. But you're going to have to take this step of faith. If you do, I promise you, you are in for a wild and crazy ride. And I would bungee jump again today. Now, I might have to be pushed this time. <laughs> and, but it was an amazing experience that, hey, I've got a lot of mileage out in sermons, right? And it was worth it, completely worth it. But here's the thing. The Holy Spirit's going to guide and lead. He's going to speak to you, and he's going to take you to the edge of a life beyond your wildest dreams. Because there's going to come a point where your dreams may die or may not die. God's going to give you his dreams. And when God starts dreaming through you, it starts getting scary. It starts, oh, Oh, oh man, I thought you wanted me, you know, I thought that my life was a big car and a big house and all that. And you want me to do what? Are you kidding? Well, at least if I jump, I'm going to scream like a dude. <laughs> right? But you're going to have to make that choice. So I want to do a little review because I think it's going to inform some of what we're talking about this morning. Uh, real quick, I want to review kind of where we've uh, where we were at this weekend, and uh, make sure that we're all kind of on the same page. And so, first of all, the one thing we got to remember with all of this is that the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is not an it. When we talk about the Holy Spirit, because we'd be talking about the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit is the one who enables us to live this life that Jesus dreams for us. The Holy Spirit is not an it. So, man, you know it. It, we don't, it's not the force. It's not Obi-Wan Kenobi melting in with nirvana, okay? That, that's not what the Holy, the Holy Spirit is God. We believe in a triune God. We believe in a God who's three in one, which is kind of crazy and hard to understand. How can God be three in one? But do you really want a God that you can understand completely? Right? I always say, you know, ladies, you like being mysterious, Right? I mean, your husband, yeah, I get my wife. She's completely understandable because we want to be understood, but we want people to understand there's more to us than that, right? In the same way, the Holy Spirit comes in, and the Holy Spirit informs us about who God is, and he's the one who takes us on this crazy journey. And it's hard to understand, but he is God, completely omniscient, knows everything. He's everywhere. He knows everything. And he's our guide in this. And I'm having problems with my iPad. You're going to have to forgive me here. But the Holy Spirit is a who, not a what. Secondly, it is the Holy Spirit who empowers us to live the life God dreamed we would live. You know, as a parent, I had dreams for my kids. I still have some of those dreams. Do you know God has dreams for your life? Isn't that kind of a cool thought? Because it's void of all that parental manipulation and, you know, go where I didn't go and do what I didn't do. God has amazing dreams for your life that he wants you to live. Second thing, the gifts of the Spirit, and we talked about this over the weekend, so if you weren't here, you missed it. But, hey, like Troy says, just read the Bible. 1 Corinthians 12, there's a great, the gifts are actually a toolbox. They're tools, not toys. 
kind of the whole Narnia thing. Remember when Santa Claus gives them toys? I talk in movie references, sorry if you don't get them, but uh, uh, he gets a sword. A sword is a tool, not a toy. In the same way, the gifts that the Holy Spirit gives us are tools, not toys, to help us live and accomplish this life beyond our wildest dreams. And then the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit is actually the end goal. So what, God, what is God trying to do in you? He will use you, and He loves using His people. But listen, God spoke through a donkey in the Old Testament. Right? God used pagan kings to accomplish His purposes. But what He wants to do in us is more important than He wants to do through us. What He wants to do in us is people, create a people who love joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. He wants to create those kind of people. Because you ever been around a person like that? I mean, they're amazing, right? They're really enjoyable people to be around. But I want to go back to the text that Troy's had us in, Matthew 4.19. Come follow me and I'll show you how to fish for people, or I will make you fishers of men. And you've talked about relationship, and you've talked about community, and today I want to talk to you about purpose. About purpose, because I was told that if I missed the the, the the gaps, I'm in trouble on your notes. I did first service, so they all hate me, but you can just love me instead, okay? But uh, so we all want to know our purpose. Why am I here? What? Why did I show up? Why am I created at this time, at this place? We all want to know our purpose. Secondly, we want to all be clear about our context. So you can know what to do, but not where to do it. And we see this all the time in pro sports where somebody's kind of in a team and he's not doing really well. And then you put him in the right context and boom, the guy's a superstar. What changed? It wasn't the person. It wasn't the gifts or the talent. It was the context. And so your purpose has a context as well. Acts 17. God determines the times and the places where men should live so that they could seek him and find him, though he's not far from each one of us. God decided to put you in Omaha. Some of you are like, oh, he made a mistake. <laughs> God made you white middle class. And I see some, you know, or God put you in the family that you're in. There's some people from different ethnicities here. God made you that way. Why? So that you could seek him and find him, though he's not far from you. So the uniqueness of your life and your creation was the whole purpose was that you could seek God and find him, though he's not far from each one of us. You see, what's your purpose? I believe that people are the purpose that God created you for. Because we've, I've met really wealthy guys who are unhappy and depressed. You're like, man, I'd like to give it a try. Okay? <laughs> yeah, I would too. But you know what? Their lives are a mess. Their kids are a mess. And they say, I'd give it all if I had a good relationship with my son. I'd pay everything to have my daughter home again. You see, money's not the point. Jesus says this, and we make this about money, but he says this. He says, don't store up treasures here on earth where moth eat and rust destroy, but thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moth and rust can't destroy, and thieves do not break in and steal. Where your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be. And we think Jesus is thinking about storing up cash in heaven. Well, do you get to take cash? No, you don't get to take cash to heaven, right? Imagine if you got to take gold and you show up at the, the pearly gates or whatever and you're carrying gold and, you know, Peter, in our traditional kind of view of people, Peter's not at the gates of heaven, okay? But let's just stick with the story, okay? So Peter's there and he's like, oh, what you got there? 
Oh, I got gold. He goes, uh, you brought asphalt to heaven? It's kind of low grade. I don't think we can use it. I, you know, you don't take cash to heaven. What's the only thing that you can take with us? You see, you were born an eternal soul created in the image of God, imbued with the Spirit of God, created uniquely you. And one of the distinctives of the Christian faith, as opposed to a lot of, a lot, a lot of the Eastern spiritual religions, and the East, is that in the Eastern religions, you cease to be you. When you join the nirvana, there is no more Bob and Fred and Joe and Jose. There's no more you. You cease to be you. And that's ultimately success, that you would cease to exist. In the faith, the Christian faith, you become completely, uniquely you, and you remain that in eternity. So those who have had people go before them who are in the faith, they are there. My grandpa is in heaven, and his name is Francis, and I will meet him at the pearly gates. We have an appointment, and we're going to hang out together, and he's going to tell me, but he, he's still Francis. And he will be Francis for eternity because God created you, and he loves you, and he doesn't want to destroy who you are. He wants to make you who you were created to be. He wants to give you a life of purpose, and part of that purpose, most of that purpose, is not to make money, is not to go to work, is not to do that, but to have an impact on people. People are our purpose. People are our purpose. And so often, when we come... We don't know what to do. Again, going back to the, the scripture that Troy's been walking us through, Matthew 4, 18 through 22. One day as Jesus was walking along the shore of Sea of the Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew, throwing a net in the water, for they fished for a living. Jesus called out to them and said, Hey, come, follow me, and I'll show you how to fish for people, or I will make you fishers of men. And they left their nets at once and followed him. Some basic observations. Jesus starts with where they are at. They're, they are fishermen, right? He doesn't say, hey, I'm going to make you an evangelist or I'm going to make you an astrophysicist for me. They'd be like, huh? What? I'm going to make you a bishop or an Episcopalian or whatever, you know, all these religious terms that people title. He didn't use the word pastor. Oh, please don't call me pastor. You know, it just, people put you in this box when you get called that, right? My name's Charles. But he starts with what they understood. I'm going to make you fishers of men. He gives them where they are, and then he adds a new understanding about what they're doing. The invitation to be fishers of men comes with three years of following and very little fishing. If you read the story of the New Testament, they follow a lot, and they fish very little. I don't know if you've ever done that, but that's kind of boring. I mean, after a while, I've got a buddy. His name is Denny Curran. He takes me fishing sometimes. I hate fishing with Denny. Okay, because Denny is an amazing fisherman, and we go walleye fishing. Now, I don't do a ton of fishing. I get to fish every, you know, every few months or every few years, um, but I love to fish, but I'd hate fishing with Denny because we're out there and we're fishing with walleye. Any walleye fishermen here? Anybody fish walleye? A couple people. All right, walleye are very hard to catch because they kind of nibble, nibble, nibble. All right, and I'm in the boat with Denny, and I'm fishing, and nothing, 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 and Denny's like, oh, oh, there's one. So I walk over and kind of scoot Denny over, and I'm fishing where he's fishing. He walks over where I just was three seconds ago. Uh, and literally one time, he pulls in like nine fish, and I've got nothing yet. And he's like, what's wrong, Charles? I'm like, I hate you, okay? <laughs> he knows how to fish. 
And I'm like, this is not fun. And in a sense, Jesus says, listen, come watch me fish, but hold on. He says, at the very end, I'm going to send you a fishing guide, and I'm going to give you the tools to fish with. Because sometimes it's about the right gear or the right tackle. I went fishing one time with some cousins down in Arkansas, and the white bass were running, which means nothing meant nothing to me until I discovered that when the white bass run, they just eat everything. So if you can get on top of them, you're going to catch. We caught like 60 fish in under two hours. Boom, boom, boom. It was a lot of fun, even for me, a lousy fisherman. Okay, But one of my cousins, Drew, he, we were fishing with this little thing that had a white head and a yellow tail. He had a yellow head and a white tail. And I, we're pulling fish in, boom, 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 and he's not catching anything. And he's not following Jesus, so his language was a little bit flowery and you know, kind of stuff. But he's like, this is not, why? Because he didn't have the right tools. All he had to do was change the jig head. I'm not changing my jig head. I am not. I know how to do this. I'm going to keep doing this the way I've always done it. It's going to work. It's going to work. And it never worked. And me and my other cousin, we caught like 60 fish, and he caught like five when he finally changed. Why? Because God gives us tools for the trade. It's called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's called the filling of the Holy Spirit. And if you weren't here this weekend, listen, every single person who follows Jesus Christ has the Spirit come into them at salvation. It's not a comparison thing. It's an empowering thing. It's a power for witness. And you can read about that. I'll give you some scriptures to refer to later. Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 19. But let me just clarify a few things. When the Holy Spirit really comes into your life and you start praying and seeking this thing, a couple things don't happen. And this is point number one. You are still you. Okay? You are still you. He doesn't make you somebody that you're not. And I think a lot of us, when we're coming to this whole walk of Christian faith and figuring out Jesus or whatever, we're like, you know, I mean, Jesus is okay, but some of the people who follow him are just flat out weird. Especially those people who say they follow the Holy Spirit. Because I see them on TV and they've got blue hair and big eyelashes and they do kind of crazy stuff, right? And if that's the Holy Spirit, I don't want him, okay? Because he makes you weird. Listen, here's the truth. Those people were weird before they found Jesus. And they're weird after they found Jesus because they're just weird. And God's not going to make you something that you're not. And everybody's like, oh, thank goodness, okay? You can pursue the Holy Spirit and be yourself. It doesn't make you, you are still you. What the Holy Spirit comes in and does is he comes in and he changes your desires. He changes your desires. He puts a proper focus and alignment on things. What do I mean by that? Well, I grew up in a preacher's home. I grew up in a Pentecostal home. And I tell you, the last thing I wanted to do is what I'm doing today. I wanted nothing to do with being a preacher. No. Why? Because preachers are most often broke. My dad pastored a small church, and people would show up at our door to give us groceries because we, they weren't paying us enough. So I was confused. How could they afford to buy the groceries? And they couldn't afford to pay my dad enough to buy the groceries. 
Is that not me? Anyway, that was something that, as a kid I just didn't get. I was like, you know, this, this whole, and then we went to Europe as missionaries, and I went to this international school, and all my friends are showing up in Mercedes 600, and hey, dad bought a Porsche, and company gave him a, uh, um, you know, an Audi, and we had a Peugeot that was, the doors were rusted shut, and we showed up, and the mufflers, you know, we pull in, surrounded by Mercedes, and I got to get out of the car and go to class, and, you know, and I'm like, Lord, uh-uh. And then it was lonely, and, you know, we're starting a church, and it was really hard. And I'm like, I don't want it. This is not for me. This is just this whole following Jesus. I love Jesus. Oh, man, I always love Jesus. Jesus is cool. But this whole giving my life to him and maybe, no. And then through a series of circumstances, God clearly spoke to my life. I've called you, and I'm like, that's great. I'm going to the Air Force Academy. You know, it was a back when they had all these movies about guys in airplanes and stuff and that was what we all wanted to do and you know that was going to be my life and then I remember I was praying one day and they had this guy come and talk to us young people and and uh you know I was like hey man I'm good because I'm not a sinner you know I don't have any sin in my life I you know I'm not going to hell and so I'm good so I'm just kind of praying there to be nice and uh you know make him feel like somebody was actually listening to him you know so man and I'm standing he walks over and he says young man he says, some of us are not going to be judged for the sin in our life. He says, some of us are going to be judged by how we spent our life. <sighs> okay, Lord, I get it. I'll give up. I'll go, but I'll be a youth pastor because my youth pastor was cool and he drove a, drove a cool car. And I may not make a lot of money, but at least young people look up at me and I get to live this cool life and, you know, this kind of thing. And then a couple years later, I started hearing these people called missionaries, not just my mom and dad come through and they tell stories like when I was in Sudan and I drove 20 hours north into the desert almost to the border of Egypt and in 20 hours of driving 20 hours in 20 hours where could you get from from here I went through one village that had a tiny little church and it kept just messing me up and it just kept messing me I remember praying, and I was on my knees, and I'm praying, God, I don't want to. I don't want to. I know you're thinking, man, why did Troy bring this guy in? (laughs) Okay? I don't want to. And I felt God speak to me. You say, how does that work? It works individually for you. I'm not sure. It'll work different than it works for me, okay? I can't give you a formula. God spoke to me. He said, Charles, I'm not going to make you. Dude, that torpedoed my view of God. Because in my view of God, the will of God was some razor's edge. And if we messed up as kids, you know, we were afraid, man, we were going to hell if we did one sin. I used, you know, I used to have these conversations with my dad. Man, if I sin on, you know, two hours later, Jesus comes back. Am I going to hell and all this kind of stuff? And, I mean, this is a, when you grow up in church, these are things you're scared about, okay? It's kind of a weird preacher kid phobias, you know, type stuff. And I, that's the view of God that I had. The view of God was not, would God actually consider my opinion? And would God have been okay if I said no? And honestly, I believe he would have been. Because sometimes my kids, hey, guys, you want to do this? No, I don't want to do that. Okay. It's not the best choice in my mind, but I love them. And I'm going to love them, and I'm going to still give them opportunities. 
And then something hit me. The fact that Jesus died for me. That he forgave my sins. That he allowed me to have a restored relationship with God. That my future was no longer in doubt. And something changed within me. And my desires changed. I said, Lord, okay. See, fishermen need equipment, not toys. And the Holy Spirit empowers us to share fearlessly. You were called to relationship, community, and purpose. I want to finish with one story. Every five years or so, some buddies and I, we go to this place in northern Minnesota called the Boundary Waters. It's a series of interconnected lakes. It's a beautiful area. And we canoe and we try to fish. And I've talked a lot about fishing, but honestly, I'm a lousy fisherman. I like to do it, but I'm not very good at it. Every time we go up, we have to carry food in because if we count on the fishing, we would starve, okay? That's just kind of how it works. So we're canoeing, and the first day, it's kind of raining. And we canoe in, and the second and the third day, it looks like this. It's just absolutely beautiful, these unspoiled lakes, and eagles are floating overhead, and we're fishing like crazy. We're fishing like crazy, and it's just a waste of time. You see, as we went in, we passed these two old guys. And they were sitting on the first lake that we went to. And that wasn't deep enough because, you know, we've got to go macho and go way deep into the boundary waters. And they're sitting right as we got there. And these guys are just pulling fish up. And we're like, hey, how's the fishing? Great. What are you fishing on? A jig with a leech. I mean, we had bags full of all these cool lures and all this kind of stuff. Jig and a leech, that's too easy. That's too simple. But finally, after getting skunked, we said, hey, let's go back to that first lake. And we start fishing. And the other guys are catching stuff, and I'm not catching anything. And I'm starting to get frustrated. Like, Charles, you'll catch. Yeah, I know. I'm happy for you. Liar. I wouldn't. Okay? And so finally, I said to my buddy, I said, hey, let's go back to where those other guys were. I mean, right where they were. And we went first time it went down boom here come the fish here come the fish and we fished there and we pulled out probably 40 fish in just a few minutes why because we had a guide and we had the tools and I tell you that is a lot of fun that's a lot of fun why do I tell you all that story because the Holy Spirit wants to empower you in your life to live an amazing life where the relationships that you have where the friendships that you have where the things that you long for to see in your marriage the things that you long to see for in your kids they are possible through the power of the Holy Spirit and the dream life that you have is possible if you will become fishers of men if relationships will become more important to you than your schedule if who becomes more important than what and where You see, God placed you uniquely right where you're at and gave you the relationships that you have so that you could make a difference, so that your life would have meaning and purpose. But to accomplish that purpose, you need the help of a guide and you need a good toolbox. You need the help of the Holy Spirit. Jesus says, it's better that I go away so that I would send the Holy Spirit. Because if Jesus had stayed, I'd want him to preach. And we'd just run him on the podcast live right here every week. We'd never let anybody preach, right? Because Jesus is here. 
And Jesus knew that about us. He knew that as long as he was here in the flesh, we would, be, we would not allow his Holy Spirit to move through us. We'd just let him do the work. Because for three years they followed. But it was only after he left that they became fishers. And now he's gone. And so now you have the opportunity to allow the Holy Spirit to come in you so that you might live the life of your dreams. You're called for relationship. You're called to community. And you're called for a purpose. And the beautiful thing is, man, you don't know how messed up my life is. You don't know how bad I am and all that kind of stuff. You're right, I don't. And I don't need to know. Because it's about Jesus. It's not about you. It's about what he does through you and in you. And you don't have to be perfect for God to use you. You just have to be available. You don't have to be perfect. You just have to be available. And God will give you. I mean, I, I got cool stories. I've gotten to preach in places that are just unbelievable. And But you know what gives me the most joy? I sat down in my living room with a young couple. I hate doing marriage counseling. I really do. Premarital counseling, why? Because honestly, they're only thinking about one thing and it's not the marriage counseling that I'm giving them, okay? I tell everybody that I do premarital counseling with them. Why are you laughing, okay? <laughs> but see, I lost the moment, all right? I sit down with this young couple and I tell them, you gotta come back after a year because nothing that I say makes any sense. But they're sharing their family histories and this young lady shares her history of being up very religious. And after the history, I said, has anybody ever told you the difference between faith and religion? Between church and knowing God? She said, no. I'm like, stupid boy. Okay, let's start over. In about three or four minutes, I shared this message that 2,000 years ago, a man came, born of a virgin, lived a perfect life, lived a sinless life, was persecuted by religious authorities, betrayed by his friends, died an innocent man on a cross and God said because he died you can live I will take his sacrifice in the place of you and then three days later he rose by the power of God went to heaven and he sent his spirit to empower us to have a relationship with God I said would you like to have that relationship she said oh yeah that sounds awesome and right there I prayed with her and right there I was living the dream right there family's future was changed. Right there, a mom was able to breathe life in the kids. Right at that moment, the dream for them began because all of a sudden their future was limitless possibilities rather than limitless fear in front of them. Because the people are the purpose for which God empowers us through the Holy Spirit to live a life. And so we're just going to spend a few minutes singing. We're going to spend a few moments just singing prayers to God and entering in. But here's what I want to challenge you. Okay, I didn't get too much into the Acts chapter 2 and Acts 19 about what is the gift of the Holy Spirit and all that, but I just want to tell you it's available for you. It's available, and you can pursue the Holy Spirit, and He has all sorts of gifts, including this thing called the baptism. And I just encourage you, pray for it, because you may be at the edge of the cliff and you're saying, God, I'm scared. I don't want to give my life to you, but this, this, this looks really fun. This looks really cool. Scary, but cool. I want to tell you it is. And I want you to live a life beyond your wildest dreams. But to do that, you're going to have to step out in faith and you're going to have to go over the edge of your fears and your doubt and your unbelief. And you're going to have to accept that God loves you. You're 
You're going to have to accept that he has a purpose and a plan for your life. You're going to have to accept that your life can make a difference if we allow him to come in and guide us and empower us. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you. Thank you that you sent us the Holy Spirit. Thank you that you give us the possibility through your power to live a life beyond our wildest dreams. And I pray, Lord, that each one who's here this morning would know, first of all, the love of God and how deep and how wide and how powerful it is and how that they can have a restored relationship with Him. And second, I pray that they know that their life has meaning and purpose. Lord, that they're not just randomly here to make money or to do stuff, but rather, God, that you put them in relationships so that they could express your love that they have received into the lives of other people in their daily life, in their normal walking around. And Father, I pray that you would guide them like you guided us on top of those fish and made it so much more fun. I pray that they, as they accept the work of the Holy Spirit in their life, that their life would become so much more fun because they see the purpose and the meaning behind it. I pray all of these things in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.